This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What up, guys? It's Dr. Vic, and you're listening to The Mindful Experiment. As every Friday, we're coming out sharing an interview of someone sharing their wisdom, their knowledge, sharing something about life to help you enhance in your life some way or another. This episode is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. It is an online conscious school that is designed to create online classes to help expand your mind and help you understand who you really are, return back to that, and be the creator that you were designed to be. We also have um, on their books that have written by myself, and eventually down the road we'll have others. And we're also going to, um, we also offer uh, mindset coaching and training that we do one-on-ones and eventually group coaching. So you can find out more about that and see what that's all about at www.empoweryourreality.com. Today's guest, we have Mr. Edward Miller. I'm excited to have him on. I had a great convo with him. He has this wonderful energy about him, and we dove a lot into non-duality. We got we developed into opono ono, oponopono, sorry, and we got into a lot of different things. And he'll talk about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness and so much more. And I was really excited to have him on. We really gelled, and we really had a great time talking and discussing these things. To give you a little background about uh, Edward, he is a student of transcendental and Buddhist meditation practices and progressive modalities like self-inquiry through non-duality. He has researched and studied many great metaphysical teachers, including uh, Eckhart Tolle, Moji, Ashanti, uh, Konyan, Trungi, Byron, Kate, Byron Katie, and I know I'm messing up some of these names, Ihalakala uh, Hulen. But all of his study, he has been most impressed and personally transformed by the Hawaiian forgiveness teaching of Oponopono. 
Using these best practices, Edwards has designed the Soul Track Sync practices and tools to inspire more peace, love, forgiveness, and happiness through group workshops and individual coaching clients. His goal is always to direct you towards awakening your inner nature and genuine spirit in order to live a more fulfilling life. He also instills that suffering of any variety is completely optional and avoidable if living in the now or present moment. We had a great chat. I don't want to take this any further. Here is Edward Miller. Edward, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Vic. I appreciate being a guest on your show today. I'm excited to have you on, fellow Chicagoan here. Uh, it's a blast to always connect. And, uh, you know, you're doing some amazing stuff. And I'm just uh, ready to dive deep and get going here. So as like I always do with my interviews, I always like to first start and ask, um, how did you get into what you're doing? What, what intrigued you? What kind of, how did life, you know, the universe or life in general nudge you around um, to get you to where you are today? That's a, that's a really interesting question. I was a young man who was very sensitive and I grew up in a household where, you know, I had a, a, a very talented brothers and sisters, but I didn't have much talent or it wasn't expressed much. And my parents valued talent. So I, you know, I think I, as a young man, I had, uh, and I was overweight, and I think I had uh, traditional young child low self-esteem. And, but I always knew underneath this fat child that, that was, you know, bullied and, and picked on, there was a guy that was spectacular. But I didn't, you know, I didn't really deal with that uh, because I was so wounded. So I grew up and I went to college and I, um, that part of me that wanted to achieve and accomplish and be recognized you know, flourished. But underneath all that, there was this wounded child. Um, and I knew that, that life for me was more difficult because I was bearing all the wounds of my childhood. Um, and I took transcendental meditation. I went to every coaching session you can imagine. I read every book you can imagine. But I was still stuck in my problematic uh, mind uh, that was full of a bunch of thoughts of, of, of inadequacy. That was my big thing. I was bearing inadequacy for most of my um, uh, adult life, even though I had been very accomplished. So, um, you know, when you're bearing inadequacy and you're very accomplished, everything you've done doesn't seem to matter. Everything you've achieved, everything you're giving awards for, all of it seems to be inadequate or not enough. So, you know, I was just kind of an unhappy adult, appearing as though I was very uh, in charge and, and large. But... Um, by the time I was in my mid-40s, I was in a lot of physical pain because uh, I was bearing everything in my body. My back uh, was just, you know, I could barely walk. My wife had to um, put me in a wheelchair and take me places because my back was so contracted with pain. Uh, but at that same time, I started studying um, other philosophies and other ways of approaching um, this uh, spiritual thing. And I became very aware of the concept of Ho'oponopono. And Ho'oponopono was an absolute uh, gift to me because Ho'oponopono teaches us that life is not about anything out there in the world. It's about how we relate to ourselves. It's about how we care for ourselves. It's even about how we listen to ourselves and our self-talk. So this, so this is about look, maybe 15 years ago. I really changed the trajectory of my interest. I no longer was interested in all the problems that I saw in the world and all the inadequacies that I was um, uh, bearing. And I started being very interested in how to nurture and care for and, and, and uh, be compassionate to my own self. That's pretty, that's a big shift, especially from what you went through. And I, and I only say that because I, I, you and I have very similar stories on that. Like, you know, you have a problem like mind and you have, you feel this inadequacies. Uh, you, you are, you're, you're coming off and people look at you like, you're doing great. You're doing success. You're doing this, you're doing that. But deep down, you're like, no, I have, I'm not, you know, all these little inner, inner dialogues and so much more that goes on there. And um, those wounds, would you call those wounds? Are those like, oh um, yeah. Yeah, they're very much wounds. You know, and when I, and I'm, I'm a life coach, and when I um, have my clients, we try to get to what they're bearing, what their wound is, because what you're, that wounds has happened in childhood, and often it morphs into all kinds of other things, but it's usually just a, a core wound that once you become aware of, you can re-nurture and, and help to grow it up. And give it a more enlightened perspective. Your higher, your higher self, or your more uh, aware self. 
Uh, but it is the relationship you have with your child self. You know, I'm a very much an advocate on um, doing inner child work. And I teach a lot of that in my coaching sessions. And I even do it on, on, um, in group sessions. I think that we really need to recon reconnect with our, uh, our essential innocence and kind of get a feel for it. Because most people are rejecting their, their child side. You know, they feel as though it's, it's impetuous and it needs to be suppressed. And I'm a real firm believer in letting it be expressed and re-nurturing it. I agree. Would you say that from uh, uh, the childhood and the wounds and all those things that you develop this survival mentality of how to get through it? And then there comes a point in time where in life that you either are going to realize you don't have to be in that survival state anymore, that it was there for a reason and we can let that yes. go. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I have a short story I'm going to tell you. Um, my 11th Christmas, um, I was in a situation where my dad worked, my mother was not a Christmas preparer. So on Christmas Eve, I was Santa Claus and I was 11 years old and I was very proud to be Santa Claus and set up the toys around the tree for my brothers and sisters when they were, you know, asleep that night and they'd wake up and see Santa Claus. And I was really excited about that. And I was also excited about what my gift might be. Well, I went to bed that night after setting up the Christmas uh, uh, presentation and the train and the Barbie set and all that kind of stuff. And I woke up the next morning and my parents advised me they forgot to get me anything for Christmas. And I was devastated. I was really devastated. I, I just couldn't imagine why they forgot to buy me anything at all. I'm the one that set up Christmas. So I went back to bed that, that morning and I vowed to myself that I would never let myself be hurt like that again. I remember it just like today. I remember that vow I made to myself. Well, when you're 11 years old and you're making those kinds of vows, you know, that kind of commitment to yourself at 11 years old that you're never going to be hurt again and you're never going to allow yourself to be vulnerable like that again, that sets you up for more success as a child. But in your adulthood, you're bearing all kinds of, of stories and wounds because that story morphs. You know, I'm not going to ever let myself be hurt. I'm not going to ever let anybody disappoint me. By the time I was an adult, that's all I experienced was hurt and disappointment. And it's like a seed, right? The main core yes. issue. And yes. as it grows, it gets spreads out and then many other stories evolves and all those things. And sometimes we get caught up in the stories of all that instead of realizing what the real truth was in the well, beginning. Absolutely. You know, I didn't know that I was addicted to my sad stories. I became very much, um, and I think there was a, some level of, of, of um, a value I was getting out of telling myself the sad stories of my childhood. And I realized as I started uh, using the whole Ponapona, and um, I started realizing those were habits that were not in my best interest. Telling those stories, remembering those stories, uh, bearing those stories, and that I had to have, you know, I, just like a lot of people, I went to a psychologist and psychiatrist and I had many coaches, but the relationship that I had to learn was I had to teach it myself. I had to give it to myself. There was nobody can do it for you. That inner work is your work, your good work. And as you become more uh, adept at being kind, being caring, being consciously aware of your thoughts, your, um, your feelings, your beliefs, it, it opens everything up for you because you're no longer, the world is no longer problematic. You realize that you're bearing it all, that your point of view is the point of view that's causing you your angst and unhappiness. That's so true. And, 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 yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow. It is. It really is. But it's an empowering way of looking at life too. I'm with you. I call that the red pill and I'm always a big fan of that because it's, it's, it's one of the things where, you know, and, and you know, the question that comes to me is, you know, because Ho'oponopono is one of the well, things where you, I, you gave me that little secret. Now I got this. Uh, it's one of the things where, you know, you know, it's about the wine forgiveness. Why forgiveness? Why is forgiveness so important? What it's a good so question. transformational. Well, because when you're developing a new relationship with yourself, you realize that your uh, psyche bears a lot of trauma. And forgiveness is a way of relating to yourself and realizing that you don't have to bear it at all. That it's okay to let it go. Please forgive me for bearing these stories that can't be true, aren't true. The truth of who I am is something completely different, completely um, 
you know, one of the things about Ho'oponopono is it, it's a non-dual um, uh, practice. And non-duality is, is, is remembering of the truth of who you are as the creator, as conscious awareness, as spacious awareness, you know, as the witness. And as you become more aware, or, or in Ho'oponopono calls it zero. That's the practice of Ho'oponopono, but they call it zero. But it's basically the, the, the field of all possibilities and the field of no possibilities. It's the field of, of spaciousness that we all truly are. And once you start relating to that yourself as a spacious self instead of a person or an individual or an identity, your relationship with yourself opens up. You realize that bearing any thought or anything at all is just a choice. I love that. And that's, I think it's called what, there's another name for it too, like zero point or zero. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about by zero point. Yeah. Cause in quantum physics, they talk about like a zero point or something like that. Yeah. It's very fascinating. And it's, <clears throat> and, and, and with, with, you know, I, when I was going through this, I was very hard on myself. I grew up in an Italian culture and I was very like reamed for all the littlest things that I may have missed. And it brought up a lot of guilt and shame and a lot of other sure. things and lack of worth. Sure. But but it taught me good stuff too. You know, there's always the other side of the coin with that in the physical world, at least. Right. Uh, I love because of the non-duality. I, I always talk about like, there's a law of duality. Everyone's like, well, what about non-duality? I said, that's your net. That's your spirit world. That's a whole different, that's a whole set of laws there. That's different than what we experience here. Yeah. But it's a, but you know what the truth is, is that that relating to ourselves in non-dual is powerful because we realize we don't have to bear anything. Oh, it's very true. And and, 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 and and forgiving yourself for bearing something that's not real in the, in the first place is, is, is rejuvenating. It's inspirational. So then when it comes to the, the, when you're forgiving, it's the, is it more of like a letting go kind of a yeah, process? Absolutely. It's a letting go. Right. Would, would you also say like maybe, uh, I wouldn't say surrender. Letting go sounds good. We'll go with that. <laughs> well, surrender is fine. It's surrender, letting go, releasing, cleaning, clearing. Those are all appropriate terms. Yeah. Because I know in my journey, that's one of the things that understanding in the, just the forgiveness and just saying, hey, it's okay. And taking myself back to the inner child kid, seeing myself as that three, four, five, six-year-old boy. Yes. And, and, and saying, hey, come on, let's, let's go on this journey together again. I'm here. I'm here to support you. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to let you know everything's okay. We're going to be fine. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Transformational work there, my friend, I must tell you. Well, you know what? It's the best work you'll ever have because it's, it's the work of truth. You know, once you, um, and, and let, me, let me give you a little information about the, the, the practice of Ho'oponopono because it's very simple. Um, um, the Ho'oponopono mantra is, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me and thank you. Again, it's, I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me and thank you. Now, when you hear that mantra, you think you're apologizing or professing love to or professing gratitude to something out in the world. But Ho'oponopono teaches that there's only you. So that I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you is a relationship with your inner self. And as you recite the Ho'oponopono mantra and you really take it into your heart and take it into your psyche and relate it to your innocence, you start to soften inside. And those rough, hard edges, those protective edges, those edges that are, you know, that are defensive and, and, um, and protective start to open up. And you start to also feel more vulnerable and feel more connected to yourself and others too. So it all starts from within. It all starts from within. Ho'oponopono teaches there's only within that our projections, when we look at someone else and we see them as being problematic or we see a personality trait or behavior that we don't like, all we're doing is observing something in us that's, that's being repressed. I love how you said the word repressed there. Because a lot of times some people will say that, <clears throat> excuse me, they'll say things like, oh, when you see something in someone else that you don't like, you have that within you. Yes. And I agree to that, but I didn't like how it said it was within because that didn't mean I could see a lot of things in people Then I'm like, okay, I have that too. But when you said repressed, I think that's what creates the trigger in charge. Yeah. I love that. I, I agree. I agree. 
Because then you have this energy because, you know, as you, you talk a little bit about, you know, we'll get into the like non-resistance and stuff, but when you're resisting things, you're putting so much energy to hold and contain, right? And then someone prods at that, it's like, here it comes, right? Exactly. Exactly. But how is it important for individuals then when it comes to accepting what is? Like, look at the world we're in today. We got COVID. I mean, I work with patients and some of them are having mental breakdowns and mental health is just dropping. It's just getting worse and worse and suicides are going through the roof. And it's one of the things where how can just a practice of non-resistance or accepting what is, is critical, especially in this time, but in life in general? Well, you know, I... I I think that's a really good question. I, um, I've spent the last eight, 10 years um, refining the relationship with myself. So during this COVID period, you know, I see the world and I can uh, relate to a lot of the suffering that's going on. I can relate to the, a lot of the, um, the new anxiety that's going on with people. I can understand that, uh, but I don't bear it. And I, and I just don't. And I uh, allow myself to experience the, the, um, the feelings that come in, I can allow myself to feel the resistance and a lot of the feelings that the world is feeling right now, but I don't take them on with a story. I don't take them on with, um, with um, something I have to do something about or I have to fix or I have to even respond to. I'm just aware and I allow whatever's present and often what's present are uncomfortable feelings. I allow them to be there, but I don't take them into a story. I don't bear them with a story. Do you understand what I mean by that? I totally do. But if you mind explaining that a little bit more for the listeners, that'd be great. Well, you know, we can have any thought. We can experience any emotional sensation. But until we create, a, until we take them on and start believing them and take them into mind and start thinking about them and trying to fix them and trying to um, um, suppress them, do they become problematic? We're going to experience sensations. We're going to experience um, thoughts, but none of that has to be wrong. We just have to change our relationship with our minds. We have to realize our mind is going to have thoughts. They're going to we're going to have sensations, but we can be free of them just by being aware of them without and not taking them on, not um, telling ourselves any story about them. And I give you an example. This feels bad. I can't take this. When is this over? You know. Um, uh, I can't take this, you know, I mean, all those kinds of thoughts of this is more than I bear. When is this, you know, all those kinds of thoughts are the thoughts that cause us to suffer. But if you can have this COVID moment and realize there's maybe an opportunity here, maybe there's something here for me to be aware of instead of something here me to have to survive. It's a, just a, it's a way of relating to this moment differently than trying to figure out how to survive it. No, trying to figure out how to survive it takes it into mind, and then we then have to figure out a strategy to survive it. When we just are aware of it, there's you know we can allow it to come and go. It doesn't have to bear on us so much because we know it's not true anyway. So basically, just for the listeners, yes. it's all the story of what you're, whatever you're, if you're just aware, you accept what is and that's, you just, it's fine. There's no emotional charge. You're not creating a story and things like that. Yes. But for those who are caught up in that, they're creating the story, the emotional charge behind it and all that. Would you say then that is the difference between the two is you, it's basically choice, but it's also, um, it's going to be based on that choice. There's two vastly different experiences. Yeah, there's two vastly different. You know, I, I stay on the tip of just being aware, just being, you know, seeing how people are de dealing with this uh, in this COVID moment, how uh, people are bearing. I can, and I don't have to take it on too, just because they're bearing it and it's so difficult for them. I can be aware of it and be compassionate to where they are and what they're feeling. Uh, but I don't have to take it on with a story like, yeah, it's hard. And, you know, I can't wait till this is over. I can just say, I, you know, I can cash. I understand where you're at. I know this is difficult for you. I can feel that, but I don't have to make it my problem. And you also, I think too, when you're in that state of awareness, how you're approaching it, you actually allow for the person to give them a chance to heal. Well, yeah, well, you're creating the space because there's no judgment. Exactly. You're and creating the space of non-judgment awareness that they're allowed to have access to also if they want to surrender to that. But 
you're at least creating that space that allows them to uh, to uh, to be able to transcend the the um, the resistance that they're holding on to. That makes sense. You don't have to fix it for them. You don't have to give them a better way of looking at it. All you have to do is not bear it yourself. In other words, don't take on other people's baggage. Absolutely not. I love that. So from that, from resistance then, right? Because we're getting a lot of people, you know, there's people who are suffering and just in general, I, I, don't, I think COVID is a great way to, to talk about because it's actually stuff that we deal with anyhow on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, not the virus, but just the situations of life and things like right. that. And, and, and it gives us a sense to, it's just at another level of extreme to where we can take and extrapolate, extrapolate from it and learn from it. Um, so then how can someone with suffering, how can you eliminate suffering? How can you end it? Is it the things we're talking about here? Is there more to it? But how can we end suffering? Well, we end suffering by looking at our thoughts instead of bearing them. Looking at our thoughts instead of jumping into believing them and turning them into stories that we have to bear. If we can just be aware of thoughts and allow ourselves to to let them come and go as all thoughts do and not turn a thought into something that has to be fixed or understood or reasoned with. We just kind of let it flow. We can, we are, we are free of suffering. Suffering only comes when we take a thought and turn it into a problem and reinterpret it and um, analyze it and try to get understanding from it. Would you say putting a story on it too makes it worse? Well, that's what that is, putting a story on a thought. So, for example, um, um, like COVID. COVID is, is, a, is, a, is, a, um, is a pandemic virus that is on the planet right now. And people are getting, they're, they're experiencing um, um, sickness and death as a result of it. And um, you can be aware of all that. You can be aware that a lot of people are suffering from this. There are a lot of fear out there. But you don't have to take any of that on. I think that the less you take it on, the more available you are to seeing others and what they're experiencing and not having to bear that. You know, our egos are so ready to take on things and figure things out and, and uh, define them as being problematic. Because once you believe something, your mind wants to figure out how to support that. So it's going to find more evidence to support whatever's wrong. But if you can get out, stay out of that drama and stay on the, you know, just to be awareness tip, the aware that things are going on right now. And um, I look at COVID as an opportunity. I look at it as a reboot, a worldwide reboot. You know, we're, we're having to be sequestered. We're being expected to slow ourselves down some and to pay attention. And that doesn't have to be a punishment. It can be an opportunity. It can be an opportunity to be more aware. It can be an opportunity to try a new, uh, explore yourself on a new level, see if there's new talents you want to express, um, become intimate with uh, friends and family that you were never opened with before. I mean, it's just nothing but an opportunity. It does not have to be wrong or a problem. So my, my question that comes to me then, right, because we, we talk about it, you look at it as an opportunity. I looked at it as an opportunity. I was like, this is going to be, unfortunately, there's going to be loss with this. There's going to be a lot of negative things. But for my view in my life, I was like, this is going to be an expansion. This is going, and yes. a lot of my coaching clients, I started telling them, hey, that you're going to radically, massively grow in all areas of your life. And even on, some of them are business owners. And I was like, even in a business standpoint. And, but here's the question I have then, what's truth, right? What is really, like, when I say what's truth, I'm asking the question is that, because someone could come and argue the opposite of what I'm saying and they can show, right? Because the mind works in that way. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but the mind also works in the opposite way, where if you say this is an opportunity and you stand behind it, the mind is going to start to say, that's valuable. We're going to start reconcert, <clears throat> moving things around to go ahead now and say, all right, let's show and prove how that's going to happen. Is, is truth really based on you and only you is where I'm trying to get at with that question uh, and how your experiences of life are, or is there, is there some other form of truth? Well, you know, I, when I speak of truth, as, as, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I look at things very non-dual and non-duality. Uh, the truth is that only God exists or only the self exists. 
and that everything else is built on perceptions and understanding and rationalizations. And those are all part of what the human mind does. So truth is simple. The truth is just the awareness that we're just conscious awareness. You know, I mean, we're just the witnessing of all of this. There's really nothing to bear because all of those are just perceptions and, and um, interpretations. So uh, the only truth that exists is that we're divine beings that are um, able to be consciously aware of our experiences. I can agree 100% with that one. Um, I, wrote a, I wrote a book talking a little bit about that in the chapter. point of truth, there is no truth in mind. There is no truth in our human experience because everything is just perceived. Everything. So when you get into discussions with people and they're going to tell you what's true, it's going to be difficult to find a single truth. Because everything is perceived differently by different people. You know, what's what's amazing right now, and don't you think it's fascinating that in this country we're having such dichotomy of a point of view about how this virus is to be handled? It's amazing. Yep. Some people are violently um, resistant of wearing a mask violently resistant. And some people feel as though the only thing they can do to protect themselves and others is to wear a mask. But there are just two points of view. Not, neither point of view is right or wrong. There is no truth. There's just awareness. So then the question that I have is, is it all just perspectives? Yeah. Right. Is it all just, you know, this is how you perceive and how you see something. And if that's how you you see it, then as you keep putting energy behind it, that just becomes your experience. Right. It becomes your truth. Yeah. That becomes your experience. Yeah. And I like how you said your truth, because sometimes I'll say that, too. Where I'm like, it's, this is your truth. This is how it works for you. And they're like, well, no, that's how it all is. No, 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 no. That's how it works for you. <laughs> like that's your point of view. Yes. Very cool. Let now, me say one thing that go I, I got to say one thing that I want to make sure that I make a point of. You know, I, I, I do believe as though the mind has two ways of, of, of conceiving things. They can either conceive, conceive things in fear and inadequacy, or you can see things in love. Love is the best thing to hang your hat on. Ways of, of being uh, open and, and courageous and, and, um, and, um, sensitive and, and have empathy for others and ways in order to find commonality and the oneness of, of humanity. Those are beautiful ways in order to perceive life because it's, 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 it's more of a heartfelt place to be. You know, when we're perceiving life from fear, it usually has something to do with how, you know, inadequacy or some separation and there's us against them. And I think that as we become aware, we want to stay in our hearts, stay in our love, and, and become aware when we're caught up in the other side of it, which is the fear, and the not enoughness, and the inadequacy. Because stories are usually on one side or the other. I like that. That is, uh, it, it, it sums up a lot there in a sense uh, when, when it comes to that. Because I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, you're talking about like with the mask and the non-mask, like right now with the whole political thing going on. And it's, it's just fascinating who, how some people can be so adamantly saying, this is how, this is that. And they could declare it. And then you'll see the other side declare and they go the other way. And I'm always just sitting back going, man, if they just understood the the sense of just where how you're seeing it is your soul tunnel vision that you miss everything else yes yes you know the best best work in the world is exploring your thoughts your beliefs and your moment by moment um, um, uh, sensations as they come up that's what self-aware work is it's not about looking out at the world and having great epiphanies about how the world works it's about having epiphanies about how your heart evolves and how you see things and how you can be more loving and how you can be more compassionate to yourself. And I, I can agree. I couldn't agree with you more there um, to just share a very short, quick story. Um, when I was coming out of chiropractic school, there's a cliche in chiropractic school that when you come out, you're so fired up, you want to save the world. Right. And, and chiropractors come out with all this fire. And I actually went into school after the first year with that fire. And I was like, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to do all this. And then I, and that's my ego, obviously. Right. And, yeah. and it came to a point where I was in a deep meditation and one day it came to me and it's like, 
you know, it, it, it my it, when I get information, they make they make they make jokes with me, which I love it. It's funny. Um, they have a lot of comment. They're very comical. Uh, they're like, "Hey, dummy, what are you doing here? You 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 see what you're doing?" And they're just like, "Pay it. You're you're you are going to save the world. How about we make this easy for you? Take care of yourself." <laughs> and I started looking at. It, I could just see something and laughing, and I'm going, "Take care of myself. What do you mean?" And they're like, "Focus on your energy, your conscious, your vibration, your this." And they just went rattling really fast. And I was like, "Oh crap." That's true. And then I started seeing like an ocean and I see if I take care of me and then all of a sudden I can, you know, I add a little water to the ocean. And if other people start doing the same thing, then all of a sudden we add more water to the ocean and eventually we can raise everything up. I love together. that. I love that. And, uh, and now I sit back and I laugh at it all the time. I'm like, man, I, you know, as I, I appreciate my evolution and growth because I sit back and I'm like, I really thought that for a second, I was going to be the one to save the world. I was like, wow. Okay. That's a, that's a, there's a lot of complexes there. Um, cause now I can laugh about yeah, but it. I, but at the same time, your, your objective was, was to bring peace and love to the planet. And that's not a wrong exact objective. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, and it's just funny though, but that's where, this is why it's, I love the message you share and everything you're talking about, because it really has to come down to the person and working that's on themselves, being aware. I always tell my, some of my clients get mad at me when I'm like, well, you have awareness to the problem. That is the, the biggest part of the, that's the biggest that's part of the whole thing. Exactly. You know, they don't know the just awareness, <laughs> just the awareness transformative. It doesn't have to be fixed. It doesn't have to be understood. You don't have to have a solution for it, but just the awareness is the beauty to it. And that allows all kinds of options. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's just, I always, I always give an analogy when that comes up and they'll be like, uh, yeah, you know, I, what do you mean by this awareness thing? I'm like, listen, you just walked in the room. It's been, you've been in this room before it's been lights out and you finally just turned down the lights. You'll think things are all going to work out the way they're supposed to but you have the awareness now to see and be able to look at things in a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Very fascinating things. How can individuals help with, um, you know, we got turbulent times. I feel uh, me being in the health world and also the mindset, but in the health world, you know, there's, there's so many different theories, all right. Perspective stories. Everyone's trying to be, you know, build up and ramp up, but I believe that there's going to be some turbulent times. Something may give, and even if there isn't, that's fine. But how can people ground themselves through, what a great question, Dr. Vic. Yeah, I'm a really firm believer in grounding ourselves because you're right. Our mind, everybody's got a mind and minds can go crazy right now, especially during this time. It can take on lots of problems. It can take on lots of fear. It can be in lots of resistance. The best tool we have is our grounding tools. And some of our, some of our universal grounding tools are physical activities, you know, walking, running, swimming. I'm a swimmer. Um, but the most... Um, most interesting one is meditation. I've been meditating since I was in my early 20s. And I started out with transcendental meditation. And as I've evolved, I've taken on other meditation techniques. And um, my practice of soul transync is, is incorporating the whole ponopona in deep meditation. So I think those are tools that are very, oh, forgot one more tool, breath. Breath is a beautiful tool to ground yourself. And um, I have an um, exercise which I teach to my clients, which is inhaling and exhaling to the count of, of three and ending with, you know, starting at three and going down to zero. And once they're at zero, they're exhaling and opening themselves up as zero. So just do a number of rounds of that when they're caught up in an energy, they're caught up in an anxiety, it opens the space for them to see things in a different way and it gives them more grounding. And, and less mind activity. Because that's the objective. The objective is to get out of your thinking mind because there's nothing there. Nothing in the thinking mind, but a whole bunch of caca. But if we can get grounded back in ourselves, back in our hearts, we can feel more open and less controlled by the, the, the process of thinking. 
I like that. And I think that's uh, grounding is just critical. I, I think in, in, in all the tools that you shared, um, I think that's why the whole mindfulness movement is coming around because we've gotten so disconnected, so ungrounded in so many facets. I mean, we can talk about days on the different types of ways we've ungrounded, but um, the, just being able to reconnect and I and, and just recenter. We don't, we, uh, I was interviewing someone a few weeks back and they were talking about how we don't return home anymore. Nope. We, we, we don't. don't we don't go back to home and I think that is vastly different of the humans of today compared to the humans let's say 500 years ago or a thousand years ago well, we where, don't know how to get back in our bodies anymore either do we no I don't think so um, we don't connect I think like for example one of the things I share with patients sometimes is that I'll tell them when they're in a state of pain you're in a state of not present yes because pain is there to bring you back to the present moment and um, some people are like, well, that, how does and, and I can only share this to certain people. I can't share this with everyone because if I say that, they're like, what do you mean? I just have, it's just a back issue. And I'll be like, okay, it's just a back issue then. But, some, but for some others, you know, who are open to it a little more, uh, I can dive down that. And then when they use those tools and understand, because I'll share things with patients sometimes once in a while, like, hey, why don't you try breath breathing a little bit? It helps a little. Um, and I'll share the neuroscience behind it to back up like how a breath, just changing your breath um, literally changes the tone of the body. Yep. And, and utilizing these things in those ways to just reconnect and get back home and get back into the body and yes. enjoy this moment um, that we have when, you know, this split, it's a, what the blink of an eye to the soul, but it's, you know, a nice little time period for us as humans. Yes. Well, I, I um, had a bad back for many, many years and um, I realized that my problem wasn't my back at all. It was my thinking that was wrong. And um, whenever I was under stress, whenever I felt insecure, my back would throb. It would be worse. So I, I kind of learned that tool about six, seven years ago, and I've learned to manage my pain in a much more um, aware way. And I was sitting in the jacuzzi about a year and a half ago, and I met a gentleman uh, at the gym that was in terrible pain. He was a young guy, but he was bent over and he was, you know, he was saying he just didn't know what he was going to do. And he's been to every doctor and he was looking at surgery and he's tried everything. And I said to him, and I probably was a little, you know, <laughs> a little over the top when I said, I said, well, listen, you know, I can relate to that. I've, I've been through all of that. I know how that, I said, but your opportunity now is to realize is that, you know, your back pain is something in your mind. It's something that you can possibly resolve in being aware of what you're holding on to, what you're, what you're in resistance to. So he looked at me like he was ready to shoot me. If he had a gun, he'd have shot me right there in the jacuzzi. But a year later, I saw him in the jacuzzi again at the gym, and he said to me, thank you. I said, what do you mean, thank you? He said, what you said to me drove me crazy. It pissed me off. He said, but it changed my life. And I'm no longer in pain anymore because I faced what was really bothering me. And I still, you know, my back is still sore and I have moments, but I'm, that pain I was bearing a year ago is gone. So I'm realizing that, you know, we've got to be honest with people about pain. You know, we can put bandages on things, we can give you injections and we can do surgeries, but much of what we're bearing is in our mind, not in our bodies. And they even proven they have proven that even from a, a brain brain level from a neuroscience saying how pain is just perception or perspective. Yes. I don't know perception perception perception. Yes. Ah, yes. I can't remember now. It's either perspective or perception, but it's one of the two. But it all happens in the brain. Yes, it's, wherever you have pain is not even where like for most chiropractors we don't even. Uh, uh, well, I don't chase pain for anything because I know it's not there. That's not the main issue. Um, but it's one of the things where um, even from a neurological standpoint, I think it's perception. Uh, you're how you perceive pain and when pain fires up and when it doesn't. And why is it that some people can have high pain tolerance, pain tolerances, where some can have very minimal pain tolerances yep. and all those variances. Very pain, cool stuff. Pain is a beautiful tool to become self-aware, to use it to become self-aware. Now, I know that doesn't sound popular thing to tell people. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're going to tell you, I just got to get rid of this pain. But I, I think once you stop trying to get rid of the pain, um, your relationship with it changes. Totally. And it, what's it, I always say, what is it there to teach you? What is it there yes. to give you? What is it there to, you, again, getting back to the present moment. What is it trying to make you aware of? Yep. 
right? And, you know, we can get into all these different things. Like some people have said, oh, when you worry about finances, it could be the lower back. Okay. I've heard that before. It could be also grief. It can be, you know, X, Y, Z. It could be the body. Sometimes the body's so smart that when you're doing too much, right? Outside, not centering, not calming, that you exhaust the systems. And so the brain says, I'm going to slow you down. How am I going to do it? We'll go to the back. It's easy. And I don't have any science to prove a lot of these things, but you know, there's not research that has been done. But if you well, look, didn't at- they do? Didn't they do some research um, recently about women and 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 breast cancer, and that many of the women that were bearing um, with breast cancer had had trauma, childhood trauma, that um, somehow was buried in their body through the in their breast cancer. I've heard stuff like where energy healers, and my background's in energy medicine, where I've heard um, stories of healers talking about how with breast cancer, it has a lot to do with protecting the heart. Yes. And yes. It could be traumas. You're protecting and trapping it in the heart. It could be um, what some people call like an emotion, like you're putting a wall up to block to protect you. You don't want no one to know about your wound. Um, and they say it always somehow emphasizes around the heart, which makes sense because it's right near the area. Um, it can create stagnation of energy, which then obviously that can lead to a whole plethora of things. Yeah. Well, my, my back pain was my belief that I was inadequate. I bared it so long in my mind uh, that it had, and I had to, to, and I think that my work today, I think I had to have that back pain in order to have an understanding of myself as, uh, as I've evolved. Uh, because it, it just was a very important experience in my life going through that back pain. I did everything in the world to try to get rid of it. And not until I accepted it and developed a new relationship with pain did I able to, was able to transcend it. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I had a, <clears throat> I have scoliosis. I used to have scoliosis. I don't have it anymore, but it was um, one of the things where I've been adjusted for seven to what now, 18 years going on. But <clears throat> one of the things was, is uh, I, I, I was doing a new technique that was related to more, it relates more like the quantum physics, life force. It's all about tone of the nervous system. It's like 1900 chiropractic. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is, I'm going to change everything. And so I had a friend of mine who actually took the seminar and I'm like, Hey, you're my chiropractor. I want you, he's like, I, I go, you know the technique? He's like, I just took a seminar. I'm like, all right, great. We'll go off that. Use me as your guinea pig. If you want to use it in your office, great. Well, my spine drastically started changing, but I was in pain. Um, it was after five months. I was in pain for eight months. Now, being a chiropractor, being the profession, I know all the muscle work I did. I did the emotional work. I did everything you can possibly. I was trying to do everything, and the pain was not going away. And I'll never forget, it was only until February where all of a sudden I just learned to uh, something told me to trust the process and let go and stop trying to control things. And as soon as I did that, three weeks later, the pain, because it missed after that, after I finally said, okay, enough's enough, fine. I'm going to give in. It will be what it's going to be. And I'm just going to trust the process that all things are going to work out. And I didn't just say it with the back. I said it with everything in my life. I feel you. I feel you. I you know what I'm you. saying? Because I had to commit to everything. And yeah. then once I did that, three weeks later, it was like gone. And I was like, wait a minute, it's not here anymore. This has been eight months of this. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, okay, cool. And it wasn't like light back pain. I mean, I was, I was taking breaks every, you know, five, six, eight patients I see, I have to go take a five minute break laying on the floor. And my wife would like put me in the exam room. I'm like, no one's in the exam room. She's like, no, I'm like, I'm going to go lay down for five minutes. Do not let anybody open that door. And then I get up, I get back, I go to work and do, you know, serve again. And then I come back and I had to take these breaks. And, uh, but it was fascinating because it taught me a lesson to, how I was trying to control. And since my mind, oh, I'm in this profession. I know a lot about the human body on many different facets, but that is not going to, I had to go through that journey to learn to trust and understand. And now when I tell patients, hey, who are in pain or they're getting in pain, the body's starting to healing journey and so forth. It's like, trust a little more. Let's trust a little more. And it's fascinating to the ones that listen to me, they, and it's not that this is the reason why, there's other reasons too, but when they start to trust, they let go. They let go of the resistance, the energy of keeping that alive, and it lets it to disconnect and dissipate so the energy so they can have an opening to a whole new experience. Yeah, I love that, man. I really do. But, um, but yeah, this is, this is awesome stuff. Um, I want to know really quick, I know we're getting toward the end here, and I want to be able to give Lisa an opportunity for you to share um, with the listeners, um, how can they get a hold of you? What are you up to following you? All that good stuff. Okay, well, I just finished a book that is going to be released in, I think, about a month, 
where the big grand, the grand release is going to be in January, uh, but the book is called Embracing, Uncovering and Embracing Soul Power. And the book kind of uses my life experience um, and my practices of, of non-duality and ho'oponopono. And it really is a beautiful story in, of how you can heal yourself, how you, how you evolve your own soul. Um, so that's coming out at the end of the end of the year. But my website will give you previews of the book. I, I think in the next month or so, you'll even be able to get some bonus if you do early early buy into the book. Uh, that's at soultransync.com. S o u l t r a n s y n c dot com. Plus, there's lots of videos, uh, little short vignettes on um, Instagram and Facebook um, for Soul Transync. So there's a lot of information to find out about the whole Ho'oponopono. Um, healing practice, and my story, and how I used these practices to, to transform my life. I love that. And all the listeners, this will be all in the show notes for you to connect and to get a hold and connect with uh, Edward here. Edward, I appreciate you being on, brother. Um, I, already, I already knew being fellow Chicagoan, this was going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we definitely are on the same wavelengths here. And I appreciate you sharing, you're taking the time to share some of this wonderful wisdom and nuggets to the listeners of the podcast. Well, thank you, Dr. B. I had a ball with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.